0: In just one of those positions, and there's multiple of those one positions, Sweden has found, Texas has found, California has found, rare earths are everywhere. They're not that rare. That's not the reason why they're called rare earths. Once more unto the breach, dear
1: friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead.
0: Good morning again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to another exciting, to us anyway, episode, or second hour of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and...
1: Jeff McClure.
0: um, We can't
1: make, under the economy, we cannot make enough note of what happened in November... What? We didn't have inflation in November. The PCE, uh, which is the form of inflation that the that is probably far more accurate than the CPI, and is the one that the, uh, the Federal Reserve follows, personal consumption expenditures.
0: Rather than the consumer right. price index, or just to make things confusing.
1: Which accounts, now the reason it comes out later than the CPI, is because they have to figure out what people are spending where and then they give the weight of inflation to where people are actually spending their money, rather than a fixed group of things, which, by the way, includes the mystical rent on your house that you're not paying. Uh, so, but it went; it was a minus minus 0.1 percent. Now, th- this is this is in the newsletter, but it's important. The five month average. Why five months? Because we're fi- we're five months into the half here, and there's a lot of five month data out there. Uh, it's average 3.2 percent annualized increase for workers. Uh, Let me back up. Income has risen 3.2% on an annualized basis for the last five months. Okay. Meanwhile, the inflation rate that they are experiencing has a five-month average of 0.16%, which is 1.94% when you analyze it. So, in other words, inflation is running along at 1.2%. 94 just below two, while wages are going up at 3.2. What does that mean in real terms? It means in real terms that people's wages are growing about 2% faster than inflation. Why is that important? The, because that is the Federal Reserve's stated goal, is to have the economy growing at about 2% a year, because that's about as much as we can handle, folks if we get above 2% a year growth in the economy, our infrastructure is insufficient to support it. So we will then get a greater demand than we can supply. Why? Because our highways are jammed, our railroads are jammed, our airways, our, our airline routes are jammed, our our uh, airports are jammed, until we build more and larger infrastructure, which will take a significant amount of time and a significant amount of money, presuming we have the foresight to do that, we can only f- afford to grow at about 2%. Now, what can we do in between? How, how, if, the, if the highways are jammed, how can we grow at all? And there's some really good articles about that right now. Uh, the automated drivers are working in the warehouses very hard there is a major change underway. And the major change underway is we're going to be able to push more goods through, a, through the same pipeline than we had before. It's already happening in the warehouses. Uh, it used to be that it was easy to get a job particularly in the Temple area where we are, by going to McLean and saying, I'll drive a forklift. And they always had a need for forklift drivers. Well, they're running out of need for forklift drivers. And the reason they're running out of need is twofold. One, there was a shortage of people who wanted to drive forklifts. So they innovated. And the forklifts are becoming more and more automated. The, the new factories that are being built around the country, and there's been a lot of new factories and warehouses built around the country, are largely being automated. Fewer people have to work there. And despite the fact that we have, and we have a very, very low unemployment rate, so we don't have enough workers and we're satisfying that need by pushing more stuff through the same warehouse quicker through automation. And it's happening on, it's not there yet on the highways. There are tests being run across the country right now with semi-trucks, semi-trailer trucks, 18 wheelers that are being driven by computers. Now there's a driver sitting in the seat monitor, but once we get enough of those on the road and they form trains in effect of 18 wheelers, uh, we should be able to push more goods through the same highway system than we did before. It's this innovation that's getting the job done. Uh, it is there's, This is where we're going to make or break. Uh, we We simply cannot build infrastructure fast enough to keep up. We have to use the infrastructure we have, maintain it, which we've not done well. Maintain it better and find a more efficient way to use the same infrastructure. The Chinese have approached it from the opposite direction. They're building more and more and more and more infrastructure. While their economy is probably stagnant and their population is shrinking, they're building more and more and more infrastructure to stimulate their economy, which means they'll probably wind up with way too much infrastructure for their economy. The Japanese have run into that about. 15 years ago and since then their economy has been stuck in neutral it's been stagnant and we very well could see that happen in china and the difference is that in china because they're spending so much money on their military build-up it very well could result in a serious problem in china uh... And that is something that uh, a serious economic crisis in China is something we don't want to see happen for two reasons. One, they are a major participant in the world economy and it would hurt everybody. And secondly, when you see a serious economic crisis and you have a dictatorship or an autocracy or whatever they want to call it, whatever they're doing, the way you get people's minds off of it is you hire a lot of them and put uniforms on them and give them rifles. And that's a temporary fix. And it generally results in the collapse of the economy that did it. But it's not an uncommon way of doing it. And then they having all those people with rifles and all those tanks and all those planes that they stole, that money was spent on, you got to do something with them. And that's how we get major wars. That is probable future in China. Let us hope and pray it doesn't happen.
0: All right. And now we're going to do a a mild transition. Still Chinese, but we're going to throw Russia in there too. We're going to pull in the the Federal Reserve. We're going to do the U.S. Treasury, China, Russia, all at the same time. We'll throw in some balloons and hacking and all in one subject. Mm Mm-mm. All right. So in order for this all to make sense, I'm going to tell you some stuff that's been going on behind the scenes based on the Ukraine-Russian war and the relationship that the United States has with China. When I say behind the scenes, I mean behind the financial scenes as well as behind the espionage scenes. So in order to do that, I've got to lay some groundwork. Um the Federal Reserve uh, stopped buying a great deal of U.S. Treasuries at the auction. So when the U.S. Treasury goes to to get debt to pay for our budget, they sell bonds at op- auction. They're basically getting loans from the people that buy those bonds. And the way that's set up is there are major U.S. banks. It has to be a U.S. bank to participate in the auction. And those banks are required to say, hey... There there are certain banks that in the group that say, hey, we brought together a consortium of buyers and we've agreed to buy X amount of debt. Okay, so that's going off to the side. And the Federal Reserve, since the beginning of the pandemic, was a big player in that market. They stepped in and they bought a bunch of it during the pandemic. They stopped doing that in 2021. That was the taper uh, tantrums and all that, the tapering of purchasing of those things, of purchasing of mortgage-backed securities as well. So they're not in the market for treasuries at auction unless some of theirs are maturing and they're replacing it. But they are net getting rid of $60 billion a month of debt. They're not buying significantly more. They're not at the auction. So that's a piece. You just think about that for a second. Hold it in your mind. Now we're going to skip over to Russia and give you some background there because this is all going to make sense in a minute. Bear with me. Russia has some portions of its um, culture that are extremely sophisticated and some portions of its culture that we would consider extremely primitive. So its strategy for its armed forces, its whole system in its army, we consider that to be utterly primitive. They have semi-modern weapons, but they're using tactics and strategy from before the Romans. Um, they haven't incorporated the Roman stuff into it. Uh, it's just, it's, when, from that perspective, we consider it extremely primitive. But on their chess, and their ballet, and their espionage side of things, they are some of the preeminence in the world. There's no doubt about that. So in the arts scene, in the hacking world, um, they are extremely sophisticated. So it's a weird dichotomy to see the two different sides, one extremely primitive, one extremely advanced. Okay. Now, since Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, right before they invaded, they made this great big hoopla with the Chinese about being unreserved support for each other. And Putin went to Xi Jinping and China and Beijing and Xi Jinping went to Moscow and watched the military parade. And so they had this unending support for each other. It's very, very um, dictatorist. You know, we are friends for life forever and all that good stuff. OK, so then Russia invaded Ukraine and China was a little surprised by that. Uh, the United States has been saying for months, hey, they're about to invade. They're about to invade. China's like, no, they're not going to do that. We just talked to them. They're fine. Don't worry about it. And then they invaded. Okay. So the invasion happens and the Chinese are a little bit taken aback by it, but they're like, okay, in the middle of this, the United States and China are in a trade war. We've been in a trade war since 2018 and it's not stopped. It's still tit for tat. We're still smacking each other around and saying, oh, you did this. I'm going to do that. Okay. That's, that is the scenario. At the beginning of 2023, the Biden administration said, well, not really the Biden, the Blinken um, secretary of state said, hey, we need to patch this up. Our generals aren't talking to each other. This could lead to really bad situations. The generals in China and the generals in the United States are not conversing. We need to have a meeting. We'll do this at the secretary of state level. We'll go, uh, Blinken will go to China and we'll have a nice conversation, and we'll try to smooth out some of our diplomatic problems. Let's try to avoid escalation. And then an anonymous tip went into NORAD, North American Air Defense. Uh, it, it is, it is a, the, the place under the mountain in Colorado Springs that said, hey, there's something in the sky over your country. And NORAD scrambled and looked, and sure enough, about 60 miles up, there's this massive balloon with a whole bunch of espionage equipment in it that that uh, is sending messages directly back to China. This is right before Blinken is set to go to China to smooth things over. So there's a National panic where we're up shooting down every balloon we can find. The Canadians sent up two F-16s to go shoot down a high school weather project uh, with a um, uh, air-to-air missile that was somewhere in the vicinity of a million dollars for a couple of hundred dollar weather balloon. We shot down a true Chinese spy balloon, though. And Blinken canceled his trip. He said, no way, you guys didn't tell us this was going on. NORAD's looking back and saying, hey, we didn't even think to look in this area, but look, we've got a way of looking, and they've been doing this for a while now. So our relationship deteriorated quickly. Now, how did we know about the balloon again? An anonymous tip that said, hey, look up in the sky. We don't know who told us that. Okay, so hold that in your mind for a minute. Come forward in time to November. And I set this thing up with the Federal Reserve. What does this have to do with Chinese spy balloons and the Russians? What in the world? Well, we have uh, Xi Jinping was set to come visit directly with joe biden in the middle of november that this it's been now things are escalating and both sides are saying we got to stop the escalation this could lead to things that nobody wants xi jinping's saying hey we don't want this to go into crazy trade war or into hot war territory joe biden's saying the same thing okay so xi jinping has been scheduled to come to the united states china about 10 years ago bought a bank in the united states so that it could participate at our treasury auctions because as i said before you have to be a u.s bank to participate at the treasury auction so they bought a u.s bank and it's one of the it is the largest bank in the world that's a commercial bank not a not a central bank and the day the night Before the auction started, the auctioneers noticed something wrong. This didn't come from China. This came from the auctioneers. They preemptively discovered that this Chinese bank had been hacked. Now, who are the auctioneers? This is the Bank of New York Mellon. They're a very conservative group of people, and they have a cyber arm that is phenomenal. And they work directly with the FBI and the NSA and the Treasury Department to make sure that the treasury debt sales are in order. We've talked in the past about the U.S. Army and the U.S. military being a phenomenal use of government and that it's the best in the world. Our cyber arm in in communication with the private entities that are also doing it is also the best in the world. And I just said that the Russians have a great deal of a good hacking system. I don't want to go too far in the background here. I want to keep to the core, but their hackers are... Individual hackers that are more like the ancient warrior concept, and ours are more like armies that are well organized and well funded. They have a very independent mindset in their hackers in Russia, and we have a very corporate or military aspect to our defense systems in the cyber world, whether that's corporate or governmental. And the Bank of New York Mellon said to the Chinese, hey, you got hacked. We're not going to accept any more messages from you. You got hacked. We don't know who hacked you, but we can look if you want. Um, And at that point, all of the private institutions in the United States that are cybersecurity-oriented started forensic investigation to all of the traffic in and around that bank. And they discovered that this is the Russians, the Cozy Bear group that is so famous for having hacked other folks in the past, hacked the Chinese bank, which could have, if they had come to auction and tried to bid and didn't bid, could have really disrupted our system. But the Bank of New York Mellon caught it and said, whoa, we're freezing that. We still had an auction that didn't have all of its bidding met. So the banks had to step in and buy that. Which banks did it? Bank of New York Mellon bought that debt and then turned around and said to the Chinese, you agreed to buy this in advance. You didn't get to bid the price up or down. You have to buy it from us because that's the rules of the auction house. So the Chinese almost lost a massive amount of face almost did damage to the u.s treasury system which could have caused a massive kerfuffle between us but instead we were able to point at the russians and xi jinping's mission to come to the united states didn't get canceled if you put all these pieces together it's not hard this isn't conspiracy series stuff The Russians do not want the Chinese and Americans to get diplomatic again. But in causing this hacking fiasco, the generals of the Chinese military are back in direct communication with the generals of the U.S. military and admirals. We're back into direct communication between our armed forces, which we had not had for well over a year. All these things with airplanes knocking down drones over the south china sea and none of our military was talking to their military in this that could have led to a hot war in a moment by one young captain in an airplane firing a missile when he shouldn't so we're back here to saying that all of that was probably russians trying to interfere with our diplomatic relations with China. They don't want the Chinese and the Americans to get buddy-buddy again to start to figure out how to resolve our issues without... Because what that means is that the Chinese will stop giving stuff to Russia in the middle of the Ukrainian war. But what it's done, it backfired, and the Chinese are less trusting of the Russians now. When all of this has happened way behind the scenes, when you put it all together... Who was the anonymous tip from that discovered the spy balloon that caused Anthony Blinken not to go to China? Don't know. Wouldn't surprise me if the the Russians were involved there. They know about the Chinese espionage program a lot more than we do. And if they knew about the spy balloons and pointed it out, the Chinese now may be looking back there to say, hey, maybe Russia tipped them up on this and messed up a long running espionage program we're happy that the Russians tipped us off. We didn't want them doing this, but I have to remind you, you know, in the whole, we're very upset that they were sending spy balloons over us. We have a a network of satellites that are constantly over China, uh, that are constantly tapping into their communications. I'm not saying it's a good idea to have a Chinese spy balloon, but we reacted as if this was a you know horrible horrible thing. It, it is. We don't want them doing it, but we're doing it too. <laughs> so this whole kerfluffle that caused us to stop communicating with China has now come to another kerfluffle, which almost caused us and the Chinese to be at more loggerhead at at, at greater. Discommunication instead went the other direction, and the Russians are being very quiet about it, but they lost face with China. I know that was a long, kind of weird layup to some stuff that's going on in the background. It may not help with your day to day anything, but I found it fascinating putting all these pieces together. And that's the end of this subject for me. Okay, another thing popped up this month. Um, China's renminbi, the, the yuan, it's got a couple of names. It's like the dollar or the buck or the, the greenback, um, has moved up to fourth rank. It just moved the yen, the Japanese yen, out for global payments. And that's caused some headlines across the econ- economic world where they're saying, oh, the, the renminbi is coming up and it's going to be used for the global um, currency and so on. Um, it's four point six percent of the global payments market, according to the SWIFT system. The SWIFT system, yes, you want to say something?
1: You go ahead. I'm, I'm, when you get okay, I, 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 it's about this subject. Go okay,
0: ahead. it's four point six percent, and they came up from three point six percent the month before, and it surpassed the yen for the first time since. January of 2022, which isn't very long ago. Okay, so why is this important? Because that number gets thrown around and people say they're going to be the global reserve currency and so on. They're at 4.6% of the global trade right now in currency. So why am I not worried about that? Well, because they're behind the pound sterling, which is about 7% of the global trade currency, which is behind the euro, which is about 25% of the global reserve currency, which is behind the dollar, which is right at 50% of the global reserve currency. And that number is moving up, not down. Why is it that the renminbi is being used more? Is because the Chinese banks have lowered interest rates. They have lowered interest rates because they're in a deflationary environment. They're not fighting inflation. They're going the other direction, which is much, much worse for their economy. So they've had to lower their interest rates. They interest, their interest rates now are at 1.95%. That's down um, about a quarter percent from September. Why is that a big deal? And people are like, why would we, nobody wants to put money there and only get 1.95 when you can put it in an American money market and get 5.3 or 5.5. Why would you want, why is that a big deal? Because global reserve currencies aren't where you deposit it. It's where you get your loans to make the, the deal. And if you can make a loan in a Chinese bank at 1.95% to do a purchase somewhere else, this is why it popped up. The Chinese don't want their currency to be used for this stuff, though. So they have all kinds of restrictions on moving money out of China. And there's a bunch of reports right now about people trying to move money out of China that are in China because they see bad deflation coming forward. Their productivity is dropping. Their manufacturing is going down. They're not competing well on innovation. They just put a big... Ban on export of rare earth uh, processing technologies. They just also banned the export or put a tariff on exporting rare earths in general, but they're also restricting their own technology going out to other people on how to separate the rare earths. That's not a big deal because the United States technology is in advance of theirs. Uh, It just takes a while to get caught up. So this is. Kind of covering four different subjects. There, rare earths just got banned and exports from China. Well, what are rare earths? Well, they go into magnets and they go into electronics. That's It's about fourteen different elements that are used quite a lot in electronics. Uh, batteries and solar uh, and uh, technology are heavily based in rare earth minerals. Uh, and the number one producer of rare earth minerals right now is China. However. Rare earth production in the United States has more than doubled in the last three years. Rare earth production in Australia has about tripled in the last three years. And we're sitting on new found mines of rare earth in Sweden, across Africa, in the United States, more rare earth that have been mined in the totality of human history combined. In just one of those positions, and there's multiple of those one positions. Sweden has found, Texas has found, California has found, rare earths are everywhere. They're not that rare. That's not the reason why they're called rare earths. Um, But it takes a while to get that production going. Uh, So to cover that, the Chinese ban is not likely to influence prices for a very long period of time, but short period it is. So uh, there's... A lot of weird stuff going on in the world. That you know, interest rates there and here. What what do you have to add here?
1: We're we're concerned about China effectively embargoing technology for and and cutting off supplies of rare earth. That's what OPEC did with oil, and the end result was we innovated in the United States and found out a way to produce oil much cheaper than they could produce oil. And as a result, we became the world's largest oil producer. And we have plenty of rare earths in the United States, for example. It's just a matter of, of being willing to spend the time and innovation and money. And I think people will find inexpensive ways to get it out of the ground now that we need to do it.
0: Yeah, and in a ways in ways that are clean for our environment because traditionally mining of rare earths is basically strip mining and it's horrible for the groundwater and, and everything else. And so we've been happy to put that pollution over into China and say, let you guys do the com- pollution and we'll just get the other stuff. Well, we can do it now without the pollution. Our technology has moved on. And the technology innovation in rare earths was funded by U.S. government money through DARPA. The, um, DARPA is defense money that's all about research and new innovation in areas. They've come out with technologies for the separation of rare earths that are far in advance of what china is using now so them saying we're going to ban an expert of our processing technology for rare earth we're, we're you're kind of late on that we've got already got better technology to do it it's far better than the, what is being used in china um uh, go ahead
1: it's kind of like monty python the quest for the holy grail where they're coming up and say we're in search of the holy grail we already got one." Pitch- we we already
0: have one it's very nice <laughs> right. well yeah so you don't sell us your technology on how to do it it's okay we don't mind so much that you're not selling it to us because we have it already we have better than that so th- that's kind of covering a big macro picture of where are we herding still um sweden has uh largest Owned our largest deposit of vital minerals used in electric vehicles and other green technology ever discovered in Sweden, followed by largest found uh, resources in rare earth technology ever discovered in Texas, followed by California and so on. So these discoveries weren't, we weren't even looking because one, it doesn't cost a whole lot to bring them out of the ground except environmentally. And we didn't want to do that. So traditionally, it's a 10- to 15-year process to get one of these mines up and running because of all of the ecological issues. We've got better ways of doing it now. It won't take us that long, and we're about out of time for all of our episodes forever Forever. on AM. Uh, We've got to give some disclosures before we get started. We've said the name of the program is The Personal Wealth Coach, and not coincidentally, that is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The two people speaking on the air are the people that uh, give advice through that firm, but we can't give you advice on the air or in a podcast or in any other broadcast format because of privacy issues and lots of other stuff. So what are we doing if we're not advising? We're educating. And just because the firm's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC somehow thinks that we are anointed or um, somehow given a seal of approval or any of that stuff. They don't do that. They are a regulatory authority and we're required to tell you that in case we say something stupid. Nope, scratch that. We say that plenty of times. We'd be barraging the SEC. Uh, in case we say something fraudulent or misleading in a way that could cause people to lose money. Um, let's see. We don't pay for this radio program. More on that later. Uh, we do pay for advertising. About the radio program, more on that later as well. Um, And you've got a disclosure. We're going through the disclosure at warp speed today.
1: Well, the information we present to you in this educational radio program, or internet program as the case may be, has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information.
0: We do, however, warranty and guarantee that all unsaid information on the radio program is incomplete. There we are. Unless your intention was to simply be silent. And that's not ever complete. So it is incomplete. (laughs) If you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually, that's how we make our money when we don't get paid for doing the radio. Is we give advice to people of relatively high net worth on how to treat their own personal economy. Uh, We do portfolio management for them and advice on how to manage on businesses and trusts and foundations and corporations and all the rest of it. Um, we continue to do that. And if you would like to talk to us off the air on that subject, you can reach us locally at?
1: 254-947-1111.
0: You can reach us toll free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Or you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com, where you can... Listen to our radio programs going back lots of years. You can listen to podcasts wherever they're found, Spotify, Pod, Beam, uh, Apple, all of them. We're there. Um, And you can uh, contact us directly on the contact form on our website or email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. Thank you very much for listening for 27 years to The Personal Wealth Coach. We appreciate you.